Father, we thank you. We ask and we say there is illumination. The eyes of our understanding is enlightened. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. As we approach the knowledge of the holy, we say we have light. We have comprehension. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Alright, 2 Timothy 3.15. We continue our series, The Falling Word. And uh, we are looking at the rebellion of Genesis 6. Interestingly, we should have started from Genesis 3. But we started our own from Genesis 6, which is good. So we approach Genesis um, 3 later. Because those, it's, it's a rebellion, actually. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 15, or 16, sorry, not 15. It says, all scriptures is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and... It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. And I told us that that narrative of instruction in righteousness is um, Exodus narrative, right? And I told us that um, the scripture is given for, is profitable, and profitable is from the word ophelimos, and it simply means advantageous. So it's helpful for you, such that when you read the scripture, when, what, what, what does read means? Let's look at uh, let's look at a narrative in um, in Nehemiah about that reading the scripture because we must learn to read and interpret the scriptures as a single text because um, the very minute we create a dichotomy with the scriptures, we are going to have a problem. We must have the entire Bible as one. Nobody now. Let me let me say this properly. Let me. I think I can now say this here now. No script, no writer of the scripture put a dichotomy to the Bible to say it's Old Testament or New Testament. It's his human being like you that did it. And they did it so that you can just understand. So, but now take off the shackles of Old Testament and New Testament. Do you know that you will read the Bible properly? Right? Yes. If you take off that shackles of there's an Old Testament, there's a New Testament, you read the Bible properly. So you have to learn to see the Bible as a single text. Go to Nehemiah 8. Because in Acts 8, verse 30, it says, Philip found it, he asked the question of understanding what thou readest. And in Nehemiah 8, oh, say Nehemiah. Ah. Nehemiah, long, long, like, ah. Nehemiah 8, verse 1 to 8, it says, All the people gathered themselves together. As one man into the street that was before the water gate, and they speak to Ezra, the scribe, which bring the book of the law of Moses. So are you seeing that? Now look at something. As at Nehemiah, what book were they reading? The law of Moses. The law of Moses. So you remember what I told you about every writer was reading and writing from one another, right? So that means. If for you to understand Genesis, for you to even understand Nehemiah, you will have read backwards. Are you seeing it? I think I said this many years ago that to understand the scripture, you have to read backwards. I think I started saying that narrative years ago, right? Okay. So that shows to you that, look, it says, they bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord has commanded Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the streets that was before the water gate, and the morning until the midday, before the men and the women, and those that could understand it, and the yes of the people were attentive to the book of the law. Look at what they just did. They just read it. 
Yes. Look at, so look at in verse 4. And Ezra described, stood upon the pulpit of the wood and made the purpose. And beside him stood Matthias, Shema, Aniah, Hurija, Ikea, Masiah, and the right hand of the left hand, Pedia, Mishie, Micaiah, Mashun, Abadana, Zachariah, Meshulin, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for it was above all the people. That means like a pulpit, right? A podium. And it was above all the people that stood up. And Ezra blessed the people of the great God. And all the people answered and said, Amen, Amen, with the lifting of their eyes and bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord and their faces to the ground because of what they read. And you see that? Even really the scripture is worship. It's worship to God. So look at in see look at in verse seven Joshua and Banin and Shebiah and Jamin and all of those things and Jubadiah and the Levites and the people who understood and the people to understand the law and the people who stood in their place look at in verse eight it says so they read in the book of the law of God distinctively and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading so that means we can't when we say the scripture is advantageous for teaching you have to read it. To understand it and also to teach it. So to read there is from the Hebrew word kara, Q-A-R-A. Why are we using Hebrew? We are, we are in the Old Testament now. Which implies to proclaim, to publish, to read out loud. To proclaim, to publish, to read out loud. To proclaim, to publish, to read out loud. And... It's in, it refers to the use of words to explain to explain or clarify to explain or clarify. It has to it actually has to do with preaching. So that means what Nehemiah what Nehemiah and the others did was to teach the audience God's word from the law of Moses. Can we call that didascalia now? Because we said the scripture is advantageous for what for teaching, right? So. I'm expanding that anything for you now. And, and we, we are looking at read. And we said read in verse 3 and verse 8, in this Nehemiah 8, is of the Hebrew word kara, and it implies to proclaim. When we say proclaim, there should be a background of the New Testament. If you are listening to this gospel in your head, proclaim, publish. What will come to your head? Preaching. Wagelion. The Greek, the, the Greek will come to your, to your head. Believer and the ministry those days because we say proclaim, right? So, and that's the same word read in this place. So that means to publish, to read out loud. It refers to the use of words to explain or clarify. It has to do with preaching. And what did they do? Look at the verse 8. It says they read in the book of the law of God distinctively and gave sense and caused them to understand the reading. That is a thought. He explained, he clarified things to them from the, book, from the law of Moses to the end that their audience understood the law of God. So that shows that you, in teaching the gospel, the, so when we say all scripture is given for inspiration, right, and it's profitable for doctrine, doctrine, we say didascalia, teaching, are you seeing teaching now? So can we call reading the scripture and reading aloud and making sure everybody understands it. Can we see? Are you seeing another perspective of teaching now? Such that all of us now, as we are sitting, we are with our Bibles, we are reading it loud, right? And there is a clear, somebody is putting light to us to clarify. Can we call that the dance earlier? 
Ah, because he's also teaching. Are you getting what I'm saying? He's also teaching. And he says, I caused them to understand the reading. That what caused them to understand the reading is, uh, is from the Hebrew of B-I-Y-N, and it implies to ability to bring things together for proper comprehension. B-I-Y-N, ability to bring things together for proper comprehension. Ability to bring things together for proper comprehension. So that means that Nehemiah, so that means in Nehemiah's approach now, if they were to teach this, the audience to understand God's word, now let me, let, let, let's progress something in this place. So then we'll get into our following word. Just, just give me some time. So I, I, need to, I just need to, to explain something. So that you will see why we are doing this following word series. Now look at, let's see where the usage of that B-I-Y-N was used in Genesis 41 verse 43. Genesis 41 33. Genesis 41 33. Genesis 41 33. It says, Now, therefore, let Moses look out for a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. And we are looking at that behind. When it says discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt, it means that that person must also be able to, must have ability to comprehend things, right? Are you seeing it? Okay, look at um, Daniel 10 verse 1. One thing I want you to do, I, I'm glad that we, we are going to approach the Bible again. You know, years ago we did reading of the Bible, right? I'm glad that at least all the workers were going to do like a study plan, right? I think for, we're going to do four more study plan. And we're going to read the Bible again. With the kind of knowledge I believe you have had now from the last three, four years, you're going to see things afresh. Are you getting to say? I think we'll be doing it at least maybe once in every three years. So that you say, oh, wow. I mean, as a church, so you can do your own. Are you getting what I'm saying? But you just see things that are like, whoa. Just like now, if you want to approach Genesis again now, you, with your understanding of Let There Be Light, with the understanding of Pauline Ward, <laughs> you say, eh? By the way, we're not thinking. You know, <laughs> all this is say, the books of the generation of Adam. Ah, you say, <laughs> Okay. Look at Daniel 10. This is the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. I remember me and Barry, we were having a conversation and she asked me a question about something. She said, this king of Persia that we stood, um, that we stood um, Daniel's answer. You know, Daniel prayed and Daniel said, the king of Persia withstood my answer. I remember if I heard that. And he sees his answer and he could not. And she was asking me a question. She said, hey, why? I know say you know Bible. Tell me what happened. Don't go through color. Just like how you used to say, don't go through color. Don't tell me to go and listen to message. Just tell me the truth. <laughs> what really happened? I said, I said, it's not, it's not as easy like that to explain. He said, no. <laughs> he said, no. She said, no. You must. I don't know. She, so she, she introduced me to Mark years ago. So she told Mark, this one, no Bible. If you have any Bible called just make it. So Mark does not test me on anything. If Mark tests me like that, I just know that. Sometimes I, I intentionally don't respond on time because I know if I see his test, it's Bible. 
please, I have a question about this text. Where, where can I find the answer? I'll say, okay, go to this message. He say, okay, thank you, thank you. Okay, he say, is this like Barry and I, they tell her, I'm sorry, I'm sorry she would hear this answer. I'll say, she say, I'll cast her. If they give her any topic to preach in her church, you will run it, she will, the testing is, hello, they don't give me topic, oh. you know, you know it's me and you don't have to sort it out. I say, you are who? <laughs> you know it's me and you don't have to sort it out. I say, you are who? There was one topic that they gave her, me and I don't know it. Aja, Aja, parabule, parabule. <laughs> she said, I will go and teach what I know. I said, send me the video. <laughs> so that me too can learn from what she said. <laughs> she said, so let's just go. She said, in the third year of the, of, of the year of Pharaoh's king of Aja, it was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Bethesda. And the thing was true. And the fact my portrait was long. And you understood. Can we say B-I-N-Y? Being... He says he understood, right? The thing that he has understood in his vision. You also see Ezra 8, 16, where he says the men of understanding. So you see that to explain. Now, so that word B-I-N-Y. B-I-Y-N, not B-I-N-Y. B-I-Y-N. B-I-Y-N. is to explain. To explain understanding, intellectualism, or wise knowledge. To explain understanding, intellectualism, or wise knowledge. So this B-I-Y-N goes beyond speech. It involves study or research. So that means what Nehemiah did for them in that, in that, um, in that, um, Nehemiah hates that we read, right? Guys, right? That Nehemiah, it was more than just them reading. Because it says it caused them to understand. That means Nehemiah has done research. He has done intellectual study. Such that when they now read the law of Moses, they now say, wow, I understand. Are you seeing it? So that shows... The teacher of the law is expected to research the law of Moses. <laughs> and this is the Daskalia. Because he says, all scripture is given by religion of God. It's probably for what? Teaching. So you see that teaching involves research. It involves <laughs> intellectualism and knowledge. So that means, before he teaches his immediate audience, and that's, that's the congregation of Israel now. They must have understanding and knowledge. Go back to that Nehemiah 8. Go back to that Nehemiah 8. So you will not be wondering, okay, why are, are, are we able to, some people can wonder, okay, are we able to figure out, okay, what is going on with the falling word? We just, look at what we are saying now. A teacher of the law must be what? Able to do what? Research, right? Have understanding, have intellectualism, wise knowledge. Are you seeing it? So it goes beyond just talking. He must be able to do proper work. Are you seeing it? So when he says, that name, let's go to that name, Maya again. Ah, it's like Nehemiah's rapture for my Bible. 
Look at that in Maya again. He says that. So they read in that verse 8, he says they read the book of the law of God distinctly and gave sense and caused, you know, that them now is italicized, right? If you have King James, you so that means it's not in original. It says he caused to understand the reading. So that means they when it says he caused them to understand the reading, that's what we are looking at. And we say that caused them to understand the reading is one word, B I Y N in the Hebrew. That's being or something, and it implies ability to bring things together to proper comprehension. So, what are we doing with this following word series we are doing? We are trying to bring things together to what? Proper comprehension. Does that make sense? We are trying to have a proper comprehension of things. So he says he caused them to understand, right? And he gave he says, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. That what gave the sense, or that was sense, is from the Hebrew word shekel. S H E K E L. Shekel. S H E K E L. You will see where it was used in 1 Samuel 25 3. Put this down. It was used in 1 Samuel 25 3. Woman of good understanding. Ezra 8 18. A man of understanding. Psalms. 111 verse 10, a good understanding. Proverbs 3, 4, a good understanding the size of God. So it was used to explain understanding insight and thinking. Then let's see the word distinctly in that verse 8, where it says, it calls them, so they read the book of the law of God distinctly. So we said sense is what? Sense is shekel, and it means what? Understanding insight, thinking, right? Understanding insight, thinking. Look at... um. So, as we said, cause them to understand the reading means to bring things to proper comprehension. Now, let's see distinctly now. Distinctly is from the word parash. Pay attention to this word. I'm going to use it over the years. Parash. So, when I say you parash from there. <laughs> I think there's one I use in, let me like, garage. You drove out. I don't remember that one. Hmm. See, when I was reading, he drove out from the guy, the garage. <laughs> I know that you I know that you are growing in the world. Yes, sir. Your eyes of understanding is a lightning. Yes, Your comprehension is coming up. Amen. Mm. So that word distinctly is from the word parash and it means to interpret. So that means when I so if I tell you I want to parash the scripture. <laughs> so I think I have to be making a lot of these Greek words very applicable so that you guys can so, so, let's parash this. So Baba so now all of you know because a shortly gathering. <laughs> I think I think I think it's the more you use it for you see you you get better in teaching because you have to understand your audience. So when I say garage now drove out. Go and listen to Lady Be Light. I explained it there. Okay, we'll still do it in, when we start doing Rebellion of Genesis 3. We'll do the garage again. So when I say, let's parash this. Uh-huh. So it simply means to interpret. Uh-huh. There's a Bible parash. Bible 
See, you, you, <laughs> we just, Bible we don't simply means Bible interpretation. No? Uh, we just, mm, I know that's all we just say, parash, parash, parash. Can we do some Bible parash? <laughs> and some sister literal now, we start So it's sister literal. <laughs> is that the for parashi on her own? She will parash the parashi that needs to be parashed. <laughs> She will over, she will over parash. Even things that doesn't need to be parash, she will parash it. <laughs> I know you will never forget it again. I do. I do. Intentionally, I use it to do so. Because I, I'm going to use this over the years. So I, I, some of the Greeks was I know I'm going to use over the years. I, I intentionally make it a joke. Because <laughs> so that I will not get a problem in the next 10 years. So I say, Parash, and I say, you know, I say, I don't remember he said so. We have joked about it too. <laughs> okay, so, and Parash was used in Leviticus 24 12, says that he might show them. Leviticus 24 12 and Numbers 15 34. So that shows um, Nehemiah's explanation is evident that the teacher of the law. In the congregation of the children of Israel, were interpreters of the Torah. It, the Torah simply means the right. When I say when I say Torah, I think I think you know Torah, right? Okay. Torah means the law, the writings, and the teachings of Moses. See, let me say it again. Torah means the law, the writings, the law writings, and teachings of Moses. Or you can simply say the law and the teachings of Moses. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because the law is also the teaching of Moses. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that's the, that's the Torah. So they were interpreters of it. So they interpreted the law of Moses to the end that the audience understood God's word in his plan and his purpose. Can we call that theology? Because is this in, we said theology is the study of God in his plan and his promise. Okay. So, but this was in his plan and purpose. It's not theology now. <laughs> so to the end that the audience understood God's word. So if they were to teach their audience to the end that they understood the promise of God, then they were going to be given to research, study, and understand accurately the same before embarking on the truth. So what have we done or what are we trying to do in this? God has helped us and we are still studying and we are still researching and we are still doing a lot so that we can be able to answer certain questions and that's what is helping us to embark on the truth. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that means a teacher of the law is given to research, is given to parashing, is given to, uh, to understanding it so that he can communicate, so that the audience will understand. Are you getting what I'm saying? All right. Let's go to Genesis 6. So now this will lead us into Genesis 6 so that we can do some... 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 Parashin, interpretation. <laughs> All right, let's go to Genesis 6. We are here already. I'm sure you've seen this scripture over, over, over. <laughs> You're like, okay. Thank God, I brought my Septuagint. So I'm going to read it from the Septuagint. I'm going to read it from the Bible first, and I'll read it from the Septuagint. And I told you, Septuagint simply means the Hebrew translation of the Greek. Have you? The Greek Bible of the... You shall know it. <laughs> so it came to pass. 
when men began to multiply the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, and the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fear, and they took their wives and the shoes. And the spirit of and the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for he is also for his, for his flesh, and his days shall be 120 years. And they were giants in the earth, and in those days also, after that the sons of God came in, and the daughters of men, they embarked, they bare children, and the same became mighty men, and were of old and men of renown. Now, let me, let me, read, it. Let me read Genesis 6 for my, for my Septuagint here now. It says, and look at where it started from. In verse 1, it says, And Noah lived about 500 years. This is where it started, actually, in the Septuagint. It says, And Noah lived about 500 years, and fathered three sons, Shammim and Japheth. And it happened when humans began to multiply. You see, when I used to tell you about this chapters uh, and verses thing, it's not those things are not easy. Just just pay attention to scripture. Are you getting what I was saying? Because here now in chapter one started from verse thirty-two of chapter five. <laughs> so and it happened when humans began to began to become numerous upon the heads, and they had daughters. And the angels of God, you see, these ones did not use sons of God now. It says the angels of God. That's to let you know that these sons of God are angels. Are you getting what I'm saying? So we now, we will read it in our own word and think sons of God is different from angels. Are you seeing it? It says, the, and the angels of God, having seen the daughters of human, that they were beautiful, took themselves women from all whom they picked out. The Lord God said, my breath will certainly not reside in this human for long, for very long, because they are flesh, but their days will be 120 years. Now giants were upon the earth in those days. And after that, whenever the sons of God enter into the daughters of human, they fathered children for themselves, those who, those were the giants who were from long ago, the people of renown. It says, and the Lord saw God, and the Lord God saw the wicked actions of humans multiplied upon the face of the earth, and everyone was focused in his heart on evil things in all their days. So, and we, 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 we've studied that yesterday, and we said those evil things were as a result of what the angels did. And we said the angels thought, those evil angels taught men. We looked at that when we, when we referenced Enoch, and we said, um, those angels taught men how to do evil, right? How to cut things, how to even how to use knives. They taught men how to fight wars, how to kill one another. Because before, look at something. The only killing now, look at something. If you are to, if you are, if you are very intelligent with scriptures, the first killing that happened was Cain and Abel, right? And that was as a result of anger. That was as a result of jealousy. All of those things. Now, but. Outside that, there hasn't been any wars, people angry with any other person, people fighting, people angry, people shooting themselves, people killing themselves, people do. Are you seeing it? So that means the kind of violence that permeated that world at that time was so strange. It wasn't something that was used to the world. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because the only death we've seen prior to that time was just. 
Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, we didn't see any death. The only thing was men dying naturally. Genesis 5, we didn't see any death. The next time we start seeing evil and rebellion, it was as a result of this issue. So, I'll just do a little bit of some, just pick here and there of some grammatical analysis that we'll see. That sons of God now is from the, is from the Hebrew word Beni Elohim. Ben Elohim, B-E-N, like Benson. <laughs> ben <laughs> Elohim. And it occurs five times within the Old Testament book. I'll just pick certain things around that, see, that might seem contradictory in that text. Look at in look at where it says, my speech shall not strive with man. That was strive is the Hebrew word din, D-I-N. And earlier manuscript has it as yadon, Y-A-D-O-N. It implies to abide or to abide within. To abide within. So when he says, for the days of man, that word days is from the Hebrew word Y-O-M, yom. And it implies to a 24-hour period or figuratively to mean a period or a space or series of events. I think I've explained this days thing years ago where I told you that the, when you see the day of the Lord, it's a salvation terminology. When you see uh, the year of the Lord, acceptable year, those things are key things. So when he says giants, we, we, we've looked at that in the course of our study and we said giant simply means, right, Nephilims, right, and means fall, that they are big. And it says mighty men, and it's from the word strong and valiant beings. Uh, and I told you, I, I, I think we did their description too, where we said <laughs> their, their, their head is evil, <laughs> it's not the normal size of a human being, their teeth. So, I you say that, all these vampire movies, <laughs> all these sci-fi movies, they seem to know what they are saying. But I'm still talking again about Flash, and I for some maybe because that's the ones that's the one I've really I mean I I, I watched Flash. They did Flash for ten years. I, they just finished it in 2023 now. They they claim to finish it, but I don't believe it's finished yet. Probably they will still do more. But for the past ten years that I watched it, I tell you. And I kid you not, what they depict in that show, how they win most of their fights, love. <laughs> let's, not be, let's not be in strife. Let's just be in love and everything will just move. <laughs> Go and make peace with this person. Ah, why the writer and the, 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 the hero, the flash himself, Beriali, he does not kill. With all his neg with all his power, he doesn't use it to kill his other name, his other heroes, <laughs> other metahumans that do it. But actually, that's actually the, those metahumans that they call metahumans that are very very like that's actually the discussion of all these beings. And we we looked at monsters too, right? And we said <laughs> creations because they slept with also human also animals. They gave birth to monstrous beings. So you will not be wondering. Where is God in this? His hands are tied. Because I've always explained to you over the years. God, if there's anything, I, I told you, I think I said it in passing. Maybe you didn't pay attention. I said it, I've been saying it, I said, if there's anything that is good and bad that God really created, is that will. That thing called will. Such that you can stand up like this and go and kill somebody. The only thing is, <laughs> they will lock you up. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? It's that will. And it's terrible. 
So that shows that. You see, when the Bible says we should have self-control, it's quite, it's quite a big deal. Are you, see, are you getting what I'm saying? Ah, it's quite a big deal. So, when it says the sons of God in that place, and we've looked at it, and we looked at even the, the um, we looked at something now. But let's go to Job. Let's look at something. I want us to explain who or what, who, who does the writer refer to as Satan in that Job? Because he helps our study on the Son of God according to that Genesis 6. We are looking at the King James, but you and I know that they are angels already. But just for proper, what I'm doing today is just trying to finish up and capture and make sure that <laughs> my entire... I've put all my I've put all my cross and balances to this chapter six properly, so that you you know that chapter six is explained done and dusted. We'll pick another one again. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what I'm trying to do today. So because he said he mentioned sons at least he mentioned sons of God in that place. And if I let me see how the writer let me see how the let me see how the book of Job called let me see how the book of Job in in the Septuagint called. Uh, uh, cause it in um, Job 2. Job 2 verse 1. It says, and it happened on a particular day. You see now, Job, you, you in, your, in your Bible called it the sons of God, right? Now, in Job, in, in the Septuagint, now they say, it happened on a particular day that the angels of God came to stand before the Lord the devil also in the middle of them stand before the Lord. And the Lord said to the devil, For where have you come? And the devil said unto the Lord, Going about under... Now, I'm so tempted to teach you heaven and earth. Probably, maybe that's what we're doing, Kamite. Maybe. Let's see. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I'm so tempted to teach you heaven and earth. Because you, you have to understand it. Now, it says from going... Under and walking from the old world nearby, and the Lord said to the devil, Have you eaten, taken it to, 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 to Satan, and all of those things? So he says, The source of God came to present and said, and Satan was not mentioned there. Now, that word Satan is the Hebrew word that means adversary. And it's a descriptive term. When I say descriptive, I want you to think. I want you to think. When I say it's a descriptive term, when I say Satan, that word Satan is it implies the word adversary and it's a descriptive term. When I say descriptive, what does that mean? Describe something. Okay. So that means the concept of usage gives clarity on the personality or action being described. You will see the same thing also in, in verse 6, Job 1. 6 to 8. Let me also read from the Septuagint again. John 1, 6 to 8. It says, And it happened one day that the angels of God came to stand before the Lord, and the devil came among them. And the Lord asked him, Where have you been? And answered and said, I am present after going from the land and walking about under heaven. It seemed like... <laughs> Look at what he said. Look at what I read. Under heaven. But what did you have in your King James? Walking to and fro the earth. So that's just, it seems like heaven is not too far from us. Ah, maybe that's what I'll teach you. You can't it. It's like heaven is not too far from us. But look, because he says, I've been, in, in the sense it says, 
And the devil said, I am present after going around the land and walking about under heaven. So, now, look at something. And the Lord said to Satan, now he says, and the Lord said to him, have you given it or thought concerning my servant Job? There's no one like him who is living and blah, 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 blah. Now, consider that phrase, to and fro, let's use the King James now, from going to and fro the earth. So this described that that being is supernatural for somebody to move to and fro the earth. Because if you know something very, very weird, human beings own the earth, Abby, at least. So that means the being is supernatural. So that means Satan is referred to as a supernatural being. Some people that, that used to describe Satan that has two horns. <laughs> See, he has a tail. That's what I first said when I was much younger. Is it it has a tail? Who told you he's black? <laughs> Who told you that his color of devil is black? <laughs> eh? Red. The, is he red? <laughs> he's a supernatural being. <laughs> he's a supernatural being. You see that job 222? Two, two, two? It says he was mocking to So that means. He is referred to as a supernatural being. So when he says the sons of God or the angels of God came to gather together and present themselves before the Lord, that's to describe a supernatural being. And Satan was part of them. That means that it's a supernatural being contest. It was within the supernatural being contest. You also see Job 38 verse 7. He says when, when you are the sons of God shouted for joy. Let me see how... The Septuagint called it Job 38, verse 7. It says, When the stars came into the bee, all my angels praised me with a great voice. Are you seeing it? So it's you that will now, when you now read your whole Bible, you now be thinking, Sons of God is different from angels. Are you see, are you seeing that? The people that did that helped us in this thing, they know help us well. well. They, they, at least they tried their best, but they just gave us some little problems. You know, we're thinking some of those are different from angels. They're actually supernatural beings. So, it, and he referenced something in that place. He says, when the morning stars. You know, if there's anything you learned first about the devil when you were much younger, I'm sure. Lucifer, the son of the morning star. I don't remember that thing. It's in the book of Isaiah. <laughs> it's the son of the morning star. That star thing there is to describe supernatural beings. To describe supernatural beings or gods, small letter G, gods in scripture, same as sun and moon. So when you hear in the scripture, in the social, they created the sun, the star, the moon. These supernatural beings. Genesis is not creation story. I've always told you. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Supernatural beings. So, you will see also in Psalm 29 verse 9, 1, where it says, Oh, give the Lord, my, O ye mighty. That word mighty, dear, is from the word Ben-El. B-E-L. It's called it um, source of the Elohim. There was one scripture I used to use when I was more, much younger. Uh, Psalm 82, verse 6. Psalm 
He said, I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. Ah. He said, you are gods. I remember me, I used to, when, when I first, then I used to say, I am gods. I don't know that it's not me he's talking to. <laughs> because chapter, the verse 1 says, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. Ah, we just saw that those stars, sun, moon, they are what? They are also gods. He just said, How long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? The very poor, the father, the very poor, and they know not, neither will they understand. They walk in darkness, and all the foundations of the earth are, I have said, Ye are God. He says, But you shall die like men. So how can that? Are you saying that in verse 7 you say, but you will not die like men? Who should you, who was he now talking to? Could that be if if you are the one that is the ghost, how will you still be dying like men? <laughs> so that word mighty. When he says God standeth in the congregation of the mighty, that word mighty is from the word, Hebrew word El. You know what those things? Elohim, Hell. So when you see that, Hell. Are you getting what I'm saying? He Hell. And it refers to gods or supernatural beings. Gods or supernatural beings. So you can say angels. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So that word congregation is from the Hebrew word. You will see. Eh? The more you, the more you grow as a Christian, you value this thing we call church. Congregation is from the word E D A H Eda, and it refers to an assembly or a company. An assembly or a company. So he says, and he says, um, so the writer introduced an assembly or a company of. Supernatural beings. So this, the context of that um, Hebrews twelve nine, where it says, uh, "We have come to Zion, the city of the living God, the innumerable company Amen. of angels." Are you seeing it? So, so, and this is giving you the congregation. Are you seeing it now? Yeah. Yeah. Don't say you won't learn Bible now. <laughs> now you don't say you won't learn Bible. You can't learn, you can't look like ye. <laughs> just <trying. laughs> so, the, so the phrase the children of the most high can be translated sons of the most high. So it refers to supernatural beings in the supernatural assembly. There was something I heard when I was younger. Now <laughs> I I don't have an answer yet, but it's just something to think about. I don't. The something I heard when I was younger. They said, I'm sure probably maybe you all of you heard it. God sat down and he had a congregation and he discussed with the 24 elders. You know, those things are actually real. Are you not, are you, are you not seeing the company now? Where the company where all these people come and assemble themselves. Are you seeing it? They now say, who will go and die? Then Jesus now came from nowhere. And say, we go. Ah, we'll have to examine that thing later. Not now. <laughs> Not now. Before you guys come and ask me a question. I don't have an answer yet. <laughs> 
no, no. So, so the first Benny Eloni refers to supernatural being. Look at Psalm 89, verse 6. Psalm 89, verse 6. I think I did this in um, New Testament Ministry of Angels. But probably not in this context. So, Psalm 89, verse 6. It says, For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among, we already look at son of the mighty, can we say son of the most high, sons of God? So he said, who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord? You, you were thinking, <laughs> when you read this, you did. so when Moses said, who is like unto thee, oh Lord, who is like unto thee, among oh, the God. gods, you, you were thinking, you were thinking, it's all the show, go and over, telling you. <laughs> you think it's only your shogun or talent, your robe in your place. He was talking about the gods, the supernatural being. Who is like unto thee? Oh Lord, who is like unto thee? Among the gods. So when you are singing that song now, you'll be singing it. Eh? Nobody is like unto him. Because he created them. Uh, are you gonna, when you want to see that song that you sing it with much noise, you don't be thinking of what you're going to No, you can think, you can even, you can also put it into them because you, you, you now know where they come from. Are you getting what I'm saying? You now know where they came from because they came from the devilish supernatural beings and all of those things. So you can, you can now add all of them together now in our world say, among all of them, nobody's like unto God. That's why I sing that song. You got times and seasons in your head. You call for light out of that. Nobody is like God. Nobody can be like him. Ah, see, you will love God. <laughs> this, this story of the scripture will help you love God properly. Oh, wow. Nobody is like unto him. There is none before him, none after. Don't try him. He said, look at what he said. He said, for who in heaven? Because they are there can be compared unto the Lord, who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto him. He says, God, look at this verse God is greatly to be feared among the assemblies of the saints and to add reverence of them that are about him. He says, O Lord God of hosts, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, all thy faithfulness around thee. He now says, thou rulest in the raging of the sea, the wind, because he is the one. Nobody is like unto him. Nobody. Nobody. And when he, see, when he was talking about heaven, heaven is the word Shamahim. Let, let, me, let me spell it for you. S-H-A-M-A-Y-I-N. Shamahim. And it refers to unseen or supernatural world. That's the word heaven. So when he says, in the heavens. In the heavens. So the beings in heaven cannot be compared to the Lord. Nope. They can't. They can't be compared to the Lord. They can't be compared to the Lord. Not even the devil. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you see why we are worshipping the only one. We are worshipping the true God. The devil is rubbish. (laughs) 
So assemblies of the saints there refers to the assemblies of the holy ones. If I if in the Septuagint it says assemblies of the holy ones, where it says God is greatly to be feared in the assemblies of the saints, it's just talking about those holy ones, the supernatural beings too. So the assembly or the company of the supernatural beings is what they refer to as the assembly of the saints. So when Paul calls us saints, who is he? So, so are you saying that we go? You will appreciate your humanity soon. We go when Paul say, ah, he has called you saint. Uh, you don't worry. <laughs> not, I'm not. I'm not going to. I'm not planning to reach there now. <laughs> I do intend to. <laughs> Let me show you something in Daniel three twenty-five. Daniel three twenty-five. Go to Daniel three twenty-five. Are you learning something? Yes, sir. This is Genesis six, so. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> but it's just opening your mind. Uh, I think I will just do one session today and then. Uh, Call it uh, tomorrow. We'll continue Genesis. <laughs> Daniel three twenty five. Daniel three twenty five. He says, "He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have not." And they have no heart, and the form of the fourth is like what? Yes, the Son of God. That word son is the Hebrew word Ba, B-A-R, and it corresponds to the word Ben, Beni Elohim. So it described the fourth being in the fire like the Son of God. Don't forget the three people were casted in the fire, and they saw one that's supernatural. Can we call them angels? All of those things. So the sons of God refers to supernatural beings. Who are members of a supernatural assembly? <laughs> so, this supernatural community church. <laughs> who are members of a supernatural assembly? The holy ones and the host of heaven. So, now this will give you a proper context when it says, We have come to Zion. So, that means when we got born again, <laughs> you came to Zion, the city of the living God, the innumerable what? Company of angels. You came there. Seated on high. Hallelujah. <laughs> 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 you came there. So you are there. So when he says you are seated within heavenly places. <laughs> Is he making sense now? Uh, <laughs> he says you are seated within. Who are those in the heavenly places? And don't forget, he has given you that authority and the dominion. <laughs> so when is so the ghost were looking at you like this? Who is man that thou art mindful of? Who is man? The Lord said to my Lord, "Who is man that thou art mindful of? Who is this guy that is here again?" You don't understand where you are. Let's do all stuff ever. I think they look like. Let's do another one. Let's look. Let's 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 pick another one. Host of heaven, so that you, when we say the host of heaven is following you to your outreach, <laughs> you, you understand? <laughs> look at the <laughs> look at host of heavens. Let's do quickly do that one. We are, we are learning the supernatural word. Host of heaven. First Kings twenty two nineteen. 1 Kings 22, 19. Let's quickly go there. 
First Kings 22, 19, it says, And he said, Hear thou the Lord, the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord seated on his throne, and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. It's because it's when you see visions, you know what you are saying to. Nehemiah 6, Nehemiah 9, verse 6. He says, Go to Nehemiah 9, verse 6. I want you to see something there. How many of you are loving your Bible? (laughs) How many of you are loving God more? How many of you are appreciating the fact that you are born again? Glory to God! I say we rejoice now, you see. <laughs> Nehemiah 9 verse Because you have come there. Ah. You have come there. You are, it says now you are in Dion. Not just there, you are not seated. Mm, Nehemiah 9 verse 6. <laughs> Then you are 9 verse 6. What this is, it's thou even, it says, thou, even thou art Lord alone, thou hast made the heavens, the heaven of heavens. Hmm. That's another thing we'll look at later. Not now. <laughs> the heaven, just know that someday we'll come and visit this. Uh, someday, not now. The heaven of heavens with all their hosts and the heads. When we say host, that will take you to Genesis 2, 1, narrative. Now, when it says, when God created the earth and with all the hosts. Uh-huh. And all the things that were there in the seas and there in, and that preserved them. And all the hosts of every world worship him. And you see, those are supernatural beings. So when we say those hosts now, are we talking about supernatural beings now? So you see, and we said they are also in the congregation of the mighty, right? The supernatural assembly. There is a God seated in their midst and all of those things. So it's like, it's like, it's like saying, let me use Yoruba context. Oba, Otu, Osi, Yalodi, Yaloja, all of those things. Like those, are you getting what I'm saying? Those characters, everybody has their and their role, and they will present themselves, okay? It's like a council. Just like everybody works with a team. So when it says, the Lord of hosts is with me, God with his army is with me. Are you getting what I'm saying? When it says, the Lord of hosts is called, you know, that, 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 when that guy says, open his eyes, that he may see. He's so chariots of fire, wild winds. Because the Lord of hosts is with me. God is not just God that is with me. I'm also surrounded with the miracle company of angels. So that means, are you, are you seeing it? We, we say God is with us, right? And we also say we are surrounded with miracles. Oh, we, the, whole, the host of heaven is with us. Glory to God! <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? The host of heaven is with you. Psalm <laughs> 48. Psalm 148, verse 2 to 5. I've showed you this scripture a couple of 
months or years or some months back. And I showed you, I says, he says, praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the, from the heavens, praise him in the high, praise him all the angels, praise him what? All his hosts. Are you seeing it? That is, when he says hosts, now he's talking about, you know, praise him the sun. How can the physical sun be praising him? Supernatural beings. Praise ye the sun and the moon. Praise ye all the stars of light. Can all the stars of light be praising? It's supernatural being. So that's to tell you that the Genesis creation. When you go back to read Genesis, you will wonder, okay, the sun, the moon, the stars, these are supernatural beings. And don't forget in that same chapter, and I said, let us create the let us create man. Who was he talking to? The supernatural beings he has created. Show ye. This is praising the heavens of heavens. This one too is another thing. You remember, you see this is second time you have seen heavens of heavens now. This is another thing we'll look at later. And ye waters that are above the heavens. Are uh, you, you just thought those filamenty, all the others, you just praising the name of the Lord that commanded. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. So, the, so, look, so also look at look at the Holy One. Let's what it says, Holy One. Look at Psalm eighty nine, verse five to seven. Psalm eighty five, Psalm eighty nine, verse five to seven. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord. Psalm eighty nine, verse five to seven. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord. Thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. Are you seeing it? When it says congregation of the saints, is he talking about you now? It's the beings. Because <laughs> for who in heaven, are you seeing it? Shall be compared and all of those things. Look at it in Job 5, verse 1. 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 He says, call now, if there be any that will answer thee, and to which of the saints without turn to? Are you seeing it? Job 15, 15. He says, Behold, he putteth no trust in his saints, yea, the heavens are not clean in his sight. Some things we'll look at later. So, so the phrase sons of God typifies supernatural beings, like we said, and an assembly of supernatural beings. And we said, so the phrase the sons of ought not to be viewed in um, contemporary English and all of those things because you have to apply them properly. It's just like um, some other phrase like in Ezra. Mm, uh, just like in Ezra 2 1, Ezra 2 1, when it says the children of the province, and um, those who implied those who stated the province, uh, Ezra 2 21 2, where it says um, Ezra 2 21, where it says the children of Bethlehem, and that means the habitant of Bethlehem and all of those things. And um, so you just see that some 
So phrases are applied as figures of speech and not literally. But when it says the source of, should not also should not always be viewed as biological. Are you getting what I'm saying? But it just simply means uh, it's a fast to habitat of a place and all of those. When it says sons of God, it should not be understood as biological creation, but a descriptive term with the Elohim and all of those things. So that's why you see in Genesis 1 where it says, um, Yahweh, who created God, who created heaven and earth. This is to create man, put man in Aden. Aden is God's sacred place. We'll look at that soon uh, when we're looking at in Genesis 3, um, rebellion and all of those things. So one of such Elohims, or one of such, obviously, when we say Elohim now, what do I call Elohim? Mighty, one of those. So, so one of such Elohims was explained as serpents. And we'll look at that when we get into Genesis 3 because now you have seen that that serpent now, the devil is actually a supernatural being. So now, are we, can we, our study now will help us, right, to see that it's not just a physical thing, but a supernatural world confess whatever deceit or whatever thing it did. We're going to look at that maybe tomorrow. And um, you also see that in Genesis 4, where you see that uh, there was an involvement of um, supernatural. So that's what happened also in Genesis 6. Shows that those supernatural beings that came to sleep with men and they were perverse and all of those things. And those are sons of God, descriptive of inhabitants of the supernatural world called the host of heaven and all of those things. That's why you see in Genesis 2, verse 1, where it says, And the heavens and earth were finished and hold the host of them. So you see those things there. So we can conclude that the sons of God and uh, that the writers are writing here are supernatural beings in a supernatural world, not human beings. Uh, you can agree, right? Yes, sir. Uh, okay. So, so when they say, let's go back to that Genesis 6. We just, we just want, I just wanted to clarify supernatural beings. <laughs> Look at Genesis 6, where it says, uh, the two king daughters of men, and we say daughters of men refers to the feminine gender. So when it says fear, that word fear is the word T-O-B. It means stop, T-O-B. It means good, flying, pleasant, beautiful. So that means the supernatural being took human beings, that is females, as wives because they were beautiful. When it says took them wives, it simply means sexual relations, that is sexual interactions. And you see that, uh, that instance in Genesis 20, 38 verse 2, Leviticus 18 verse 17, Leviticus 20 17. Let me say it again. Genesis 38 2, Leviticus 18 17, Leviticus 20 17. Where it says they took them in. Those phrases those, those are sexual relations. So the accounts of the sons of God having sexual intercourse with daughters of men, in other words, supernatural beings, they had something to do with the daughters of men. So it's one of the things I've been trying to do in this series is to make you very make it make it very clear to you that these things really happen. So when it says in verse 3, where it says, my spirit shall not strive. That word strive is the word din, D-I-N. And it said in original manuscripts from the word Y-A-D-O-N, it is to abide with. And even in the day, it says, my breath will, know, will not reside in humans for long. And in context of this account, it's God's habitation with man. So that means it points to the fact that this verse 2 was not God's plan and was not God's will. So it was illegal. Because we have no power accounts to this that 
it was evil or wicked sons of men to take the daughters of men as wife. We don't have that. So these things were a legal thing. So it was like a perversion of God's plan. They really perverted God's plan. So I would say giants, and um, I would say giants from the word Nephilim, right from the word Nafal in the Hebrew. And it's, it just simply means fall. And that's where we got our, that's where we got this series from the falling world. It means fall. We've looked at the giants, the Hanakims, we've looked at um, the Nephilims, and we said the Nephilims are, are great in stature. Um, so when it says um, and their days, and we say their days, we look at the children of Anaks, right? Right? We've done, children of Anak, we've done so many of those things in the course of... Okay. So, um, so, uh, let me show you, um, let me show you something that would be beneficial to your study too. Um, when it says, uh, the Nephilims, we said the Nephilims are mighty men, men of renown, right? And um, look at Genesis 10. This is, uh, let me show you something there in Genesis 10. Let me show you one mighty person too in Genesis 10, verse 8 to 9. It says, And Kosh begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. Are you seeing it? So that one too was a mighty guy. And he says, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it was said, even as Nero the mighty hunter before the Lord. So it applied to both God and humans. So Nero was described as a mighty one. God is also described as mighty. Deuteronomy 10 verse 17. Deuteronomy 10 verse 17. If you look at Deuteronomy 10 verse 17, God was described to as a mighty guy, as a mighty God. Look at Deuteronomy 10 verse 17. He says, For the Lord your God is a God of. Look at it too. I really want you to open this to this place. It will help you. Deuteronomy 10 verse 17. So wait, when they say He is the Lord of Lords, you see those things and those times, you can criticize them, but is he not the Lord of Lords? Are you not seeing the Lord is Lord over? Ah, you see, many times eh, we, <laughs> we can criticize it. He does nothing like the Lord of Lords. What's that? Is he not the Lord of Lords? Is he not the King of Kings? <laughs> is, he not the, is he not the greater than the greatest now? <laughs> is it not the higher than the highest now? <laughs> See, we can criticize. Just because we don't, we just feel like, is it not bigger than the biggest now? Mightier, is it not mightier than the mightiest? <laughs> is it not stronger than the strongest? <laughs> Look at it in verse 17. It says, For the Lord your God is a God of gods. Now, when he's talking of gods, you, you have to understand now. Uh -huh. The Lord of lords and a great God, a mighty 
and the terrible wish regarding not person or take a reward. <laughs> so God is described as mighty. Just like even lion in Proverbs 30 verse 30 is described as the strongest among the beasts. The lion in Proverbs 30 verse 30. So, when he says, uh, so let's go back to our Genesis 6. I'm just trying to cap all the knots for us and um, we'll call it a Genesis 6 account. <laughs> I think we, we this following word, uh, the rebellion of Genesis 6 has really opened your mind and has given you an approach into what could possibly have happened in I'm sure you mind now start thinking of what, what really now happened in Genesis 3. We're going to look at Genesis 3 tomorrow. So, or maybe today or tomorrow. Okay. You ready? Look at Genesis 6, right? Where it says, I'm just trying to do. I know I quite, in the last five sessions, I think I've, I've done some things. What I'm just trying to do is, as a teacher of God's word, I. I don't like to finish a series and I still feel like something is hanging somewhere. So I'm trying to close all my knots, all my dots. Like, okay, the text that might look, if somebody say, explain, we've explained that that's, it's really not striving with me now. We've looked at it now. We said that striving with me is just simply means that um, it's not God's plan, it's illegal, right? And we also said that it's not, that 120 years is not, um, it's not it's God's long suffering and it's, eh? Is not the shortening of human's life. It's a preaching of Noah's. Exactly. I'm just trying to sort out the knots for us. So when he says in verse 4, where he says, Old men of renown. That word renown is from the Hebrew word Shem, S-H-E-M. And it implies name, position, and authority. Name, position, and authority. Name, position, and authority. You see the you see the word name used in Genesis two eleven Genesis um, seventeen five Genesis seventeen five name position and authority name position and authority you also see fame it's also you can also say it's fame too fame was also First Kings four thirty one First Chronicles fourteen seventeen First Chronicles twenty two five. So shame is descriptive of one's position and authority. So these beings have a name and is opposed to God's plan and uh, opposed to God's plan. So when it says they are old men of renown, you are, you are having an understanding. That means they, they were men of position, men of authority. Are you seeing it? Men of fame. Are you getting what I'm saying? And... These beings have, having a name is opposed to God's plan as spoken to Abraham because so when you will now be wondering when God told Abraham I will make your name great when he says I will make your name great that's a counter narrative it's a counter narrative that's a counter hmm. let, let me let me quickly explain this now when he, when God told Abraham in Genesis twelve verse two he says I will make thee a great nation and I will make thy name great. That's obviously a counter-narrative because Genesis 11, remember, we are still going to do the rebellion of Genesis 11 anyway in this series. And it, it, because Genesis 11 is, that's the Torah of Babel issue, it shows rebellion also. And it involved that man and supernatural beings were involved. Just like man, are you seeing that? For all these evil beings to take, for all these beings to even do anything, they need man. 
Just like man was evolved in Genesis 11 in the Torah of Abel, which we are going to explain, man was evolved in the Garden of Eden, man was also evolved in also this Genesis 6. So, and look at something, you know, and these sons of God, these idols and these hosts of heaven, the, it implies that they had relationship with man and, the, and it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be, but it happened. And he now told Abraham, he now said, I will make your name great. He was showing, do you know what God was doing? He was countering a narrative or something like that. What these guys did, I will make your own name great. Because it's like saying, and don't forget we said name is like position, authority, right? Yeah. So it's like, it will now give you authority. So when he says, I will make your name great, it's like saying, you will now have authority. So the authority that man has, let me stop there. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's, it was a counter narrative, like saying, okay, these guys, they've defiled their position, they divide their authority. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so that shows that what the, the, the supernatural beings did in their rebellion and their offspring, they, they, they gave birth to Nephilims, and those Nephilims were not the ones opposing the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. And you, you, you see all of those things, and they kept. You see, the Anakim's issues and all of those things, they kept, they kept, um, they kept, um, they kept doing so much work today. They caused a lot of wars, caused a lot of problems. When we, when we start looking at the Genesis 11, you, this name thing, it will make sense to you. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when God now told Abraham, so it was like, remember I always tell you, God always start again. That call of Abraham was a starting again. That see, something has happened here. It's just like, do you see that God will also use a man? Just like that fall, just like that rebellion, what happened again? Boom, Noah. But in Adam's case, God now said, the seed of the woman will bruise the heel of serpent. So that shows it means that, don't worry, you will give it to somebody that will still counter this. Are you getting what I'm saying? But those evil beings. You know, I told you that the major problem was Genesis 3.15. That's why we really have to do Genesis 3, the rebellion, so that we'll have a, our understanding will be full. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because now it seems like your understanding is just hanging on one, <laughs> one spot because we started from Genesis 6 anyway. But when we now do Genesis 3, it would enter, are you getting what I'm saying? It would connect, all the dots will connect properly. So yes, and um, um, let's look at Genesis 6, 6, when it says, um, so are you understanding these things, guys? Look at Genesis 6, 6, it says, and he repented the Lord that he had made man in the head, and he grieved him in his heart. Ah, what was the writer communicating? When he used the word repent, repent is from the Hebrew word nakam, N-A-C. N-A-C-H-A-M, Nakam, and it could imply five things. It could imply five things. It could imply five things. Number one, consolation. Number two, sorry. Number three, relief. Number four, rest. And number five, change of mind. Number one, consolation. Number two, relief. Number three, 
Number one, consolation. Number two, sorry. Number three, relief. Number three, rest, change of mind. The reason why I'm trying to explain this text properly is so that you won't gonna be thinking God repented. <laughs> you know, you'll be using the, the Greek one of metanonio. God changed his mind. <laughs> God changed his hands towards mine. So that one that come. Explained as, and that one that was explained as consolation in Genesis 5 verse 21 when it says, The same shall comfort us. Are you seeing it? You also see in Genesis 27 verse 42, comfort himself. Genesis 37 verse 35, Genesis 38 verse 12, comforted. So the word nakam in this instance was employed as a resorted effect or resorted outcome outside a grief. So, in other words, repentance in this place was applied as comfort after grieving. So it was also thought as change of mind, where it says God is not a man that he should repent. Are you seeing it? Numbers 23 verse 19, where it says God is not a man that he should repent. Exodus 13 verse 37, perversion the people repent. Exodus 32 verse 12, and repent against the evil way. So repent and compassion, all of those things. So you also see that the word nakam can also ought to be understood in the writer's explanation. And that word nakam, was written for consolation and comfort or a solution. So when he says he repented the Lord, he was talking more of a consolation, comfort, or solution. So the usage means there is trouble, but somebody brings a change. So and Noah fitting into that role. That's why you will now see that in the next couple of verses, the verses and Noah found grace in the sight. Are you seeing it? It's like saying, it's like saying that I'm, I'm seeing a problem and I need to, there needs to be a solution immediately. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's that one. So when he says in Genesis, it's, and he repented the Lord. So it's like saying, it was like a grief out of compassion. It was like, ah. are you getting what I'm saying? He now says in verse 7, and the Lord said, I will destroy man from the face of the earth. When he says destroy man, ah, you and I already know that God does not destroy. Right? I've explained that in Canada of God. But when he now says, I will destroy man, just that's why I say I'm trying to, to put cap in this thing so that you will understand it properly. He said, I will destroy. How would he destroy? Don't forget, the earth was already corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence in verse 11, right? Right, guys? So it was not God who was going to do the violence, but man. Because the head, look at investors, it says the head was filled with violence through them, and I will destroy them with the head. So it means that it was a self-destruct thing. You know, I've always explained it that it's a cause and effect action. It was the based on the actions of man. I think I've always I've explained it in the course of this series that it's not God that is trying to destroy it. It was like an implication of what they've done. So when he says, I will, dear, has to be understood in proper text, in proper terminologies. So, uh, I, I don't know if you have listened. I think in, have I, have I taught you Hebraism in Bible Hermeneutics Series 2? Hebraism. I have. Hebraism. Are you hearing it for the first time?
Okay, so we'll, we'll look at that as a Bible when we notice. So it's a concept. It's a, it's a concept and it's, it's, it's in a permissive term. Just skip that or we'll explain it later. No, no. So when it says, I will, it's, a perm, it's permissive in nature. That is, the one who made that statement, which is God, unveils the effect of what has happened. It's like a causative statement. It's like saying, see you, guys, the destruction is like saying, the head has done this. You guys have filled the earth. This is the repercussion of what you have done. Are you getting what I'm saying? So is it God destroying? Mm-mm. Is the head responding? So in interpreting Genesis 6, 13 there, or in parashin, <laughs> in parashin, Genesis 13, God was stating the result of sin. That is, and the result of sin is that it is self-destruct. Just like what they did in Genesis 3. What they did in Genesis 11. Self-destruct. So having seen that, God was, on, on, God was unveiling the effect of man's sin. Are you seeing it? So when it says, I, will, I repent, means... So you, you understand what, what he's saying now. When he says, I re, he repented the Lord. To, he repented the Lord that he made man on the earth. How, how will God be, be sad or be changing his mind? Are you getting it? It's a grief. Like, Wow. See what is happening. Are you getting what I'm saying? And that says, and Lord said, I will destroy the earth. That's not the Lord saying we destroy it. He simply said, the earth, this is what is going to happen as a result of what has already happened. Are you, are you understanding me, guys? Yes, sir. Is it making sense? So it's not God destroying. That's why I always tell you that the character of God must be first understood in the minds of people first. So that you will understand and see, oh, this can't be. Mm-hmm. So God's repentance was now to send Noah. God's intervention was to send Noah into man's activity. Was to, so when it says Noah found grace in God, that's God's intervention. That is God trying to now sort out the problem. God trying to create a solution. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it, guys? So it means that God had compassion on man and he, he was grieved in his heart and he had and he sent to us. That's why it seemed like Stuff. So that's why it seems like Noah simply means comfort. And um, so as we wrap up on this, uh, I'm just let me just close on this now. So we, we can see that Genesis um, Genesis 6, the rebellion happened, and um, we'll also look at the Nakash later, and that's where we start looking at the Genesis 3 effect. And you see that the rebellion really happened. And I think, let me see. We, we, we described the hack, right? We described the hack. We, we, we looked at that Mount of Ararat. And um, let me see. Let, let's look at another text again that we seem not to. Uh, that I, everything is quite explanatory now. There, When it says, I will establish my covenant and all of those things. The, the concept of covenant. I, have I explained it to you yet? Concept of covenant yet in scripture? We'll look at we'll look at those causes of covenant much later, and um, so we says God saw the wickedness that was on earth and all of those things. And repented the Lord is not God repenting; it's the grief. Are you getting what I'm saying? And we said I will destroy the earth. It's not God; it's a causative thing. And um, so yeah, so you see, 
the rebellion really happened. And it's led to a falling world such that men um, had those things. You blessed? Uh, all right. So well, we are continuing again from this. Um, but before we before we blessed, <laughs> before we blessed, I just want to show you other instances where angels had sex with human being. Look at in Genesis eighteen. Before we are we are about to finish anyway. Look at Genesis eighteen verse two to five. Genesis eighteen two to five. Or where they had sexual, so sexual relations and interactions with human, and into you see, you see Genesis eighteen, where they came. So can we? Another question you, you can ask is: Can we see supernatural beings physically? Why not? But you know why? Now we are in Zion, right? We don't have rebellious ones, so that means they can come to us and give us informations. Right, they can. That, that's why, if you notice, I've been more particular on seeing things because you can have these encounters. You can see them. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, they are around you. They can, you can bump into them. I remember there was a day me and Nyadi were driving one time, and we just, as I saw something, I just asked her, "Do you see that angel?" She said, "Yes, I saw it." I said, "Okay." And we both saw the the same being together. Uh, she was like she she was even thinking she was the only one that said, I was like, I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> I should not gonna be surely the Lord is in this place and I knew not. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I get what I was saying. Uh, that was that was even recently, that was quite some months ago. And because you can bump into them, are you getting what I'm saying? But don't now don't now be scared and thinking, ah, is this, is this the only one? No, you are in Zion now. Are you get that's why it seems like what I taught you in that New Testament ministry, I point I point you to see that you are now you are the rebellious ones have already been judged. So don't this the ones that have obeyed are obeying. Are you getting what I'm saying? The ones that have been judged have been judged. They, they are not in your way again. Are you getting what I'm saying? So don't go and be thinking. Hey, what if I can't see the one that is not? <laughs> Are you guys what I'm saying? So you see in Genesis 18 verse 2, it says, He lifted his eyes, and lo, three men stood by him, and he saw them, and ran to meet them, and then and he bowed himself to the ground, and said, My Lord. Are you seeing it? Because I didn't know Lord, actually, but they are small lords. This is my Lord. Divine now, find everybody that I pass me that I pray thee for thy servant, and first the water I pray thee, and all of those things. And first, we was there. And they, so they had food. So you see where the writer of um, the, the Hebrew, the writer of um, Hebrews says, Don't be careful to entertain, don't be because some of you entertain on just on our way. Yeah, because they can take on the shape of human form and all of those things. But this one is also good. So their appearance was like that of a human. They also ate like humans. Are you getting what I'm saying? This what they ate. Look at the Genesis 19, verse 3. Genesis 19, verse 1. It says, There came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat down at the gate of Sodom. Lot seeing them rose up. So you see, look at these guys. They just, it seemed like they just saw it naturally. Are you seeing your reality as a believer? You can see them naturally. You just have to be taught. Now I'm, that's what I'm doing. Now. I'm teaching you. It says it. There were there came two angels at Sodom and evil, and Lord sat at the gate of the and Lord seeing them, he rose up. 
Lord seeing rose up because that them that is is in that is Lord seeing rose up and meet them and he and he bowed himself in the face of the earth to the God and said, Behold now, my Lord, turn I pray you into the Sabbath. I always say they have an instruction. Do you notice that every Abraham did the same thing? The next thing is, what do you want from me? You ask them questions because they they are messengers. Are you getting what I'm saying? The same thing Abraham looked down in Genesis 28 where he said, look down about the sexual towards the guy and said, Lord, if I may find people in thy side. He's just like, okay, what do you, what have you have me do? It's just the same thing they now told Mary, the mother of Jesus, hey, uh, you have found, found favor in the sight of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Like, okay, what, what have you had me to do? You, you can question them, you can interrogate them. Oh, okay, what message did you bring for me today? Are you getting what I'm saying? So you see, look at today. He say, says, tarry all night and wash your feet and arise early and go your way. And they said, and nay, we abide in there. And he pressed into, the guy, into them greatly and he turned them unto him. And they entered into his house and he made them a feast. He says, they say, sit down. Imagine the interactions with these things. So be open to, I want to close this series intentionally by saying, be open to supernatural beings. Yes, we have learned the following word, but <laughs> also be open to supernatural encounters. Are you getting what I'm saying? Be very open. See, these guys, they cook for the angels. Ah, uh-uh. so can I cook for my angel? Uh, well, we'll look at that later. <laughs> so see, hey, hey. go to guy, be a solution, and be sitting down, and be cooking, and be feeding chill. I say the angel is there. Let it be real one that is there. <laughs> I'm just joking. So, so in verse 3, they had. Verse 5, they requested that Lord bring out the angels. So that's where they now started having sexual relationship with them. You see, verse 4, 5. It says, Then they came and the men of the city, even the men of Sudan, encompassed around, both the young and old, and all the people that were called. And they called unto Lord and said, Ah. We are the men that came to see us this day. So the, all of them were asking for, it's the people that came to Lot to ask him, hey, we are the people that came to see you this night. Bring them unto us that we may know them. And you know that when he says they may know them, it means uh, let us have sex with them. You see what happened? They go again, Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah. They saw that the angels are fine. You know, we, we looked at that uh, thing. They said, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Bring them. Let's. Let's let's have a great time. <laughs> uh, so it's just like a so so the people wanted to have sex with with uh, angels. They wanted to have sex with angels. So they imagined. So it, it, for this to have been imagined means it was possible. So Lot was pulled into the house by the angels. And all this shows that there was interactions of supernatural beings. And they carried out certain activities with humans, of humans. And you could apply that, uh, that would rather be a sexual relationship with men. Yeah. It is. So when you see all these spirit husbands, spirit wife, all those things, those things are, are you getting what I'm saying? So is it far-fetched? Can we do deliverance for those people now? You can cast those demons out. Are you getting what I'm saying? So you say that some people go to deliverance and they will vomit blood. Don't castigate those things, though. It's because of the things they probably have encountered. Are you getting what I'm saying? You see that some people. I was watching some a video of a popular man of God. Um, this he went to a popular alone to preach, and as he was doing deliverance, life snake came out of a woman. 
Uh, you, uh, you, you, you understand it will make you understand. Now that you understand, you now say, ah, <laughs> it is because something has happened. This is what is betting. Some people, they will go for delivery service, they tell you that uh, some things are crawling inside their body. They will now ask them, did you sleep with anybody in your dream? They say, yes. And are you seeing those things? These things are supernatural now. But you know the beauty about it? We have authority over it and we can say, you devil, you get out of here. You lose your grip on this person. I will deal with the person and the person will go. So they do. So you, 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 because I'm sure your mind will be asking, you'll be wondering, could this thing happen today? You know, you, you are not oblivious to, the, to all these deliverances that people do. They are not wrong. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? If it's not happening, they won't be opening deliverance centers now. The only thing we are just requesting for them is that they teach God's word and teach people their authority and not dwell so much on the devils. Are you getting what I'm saying? Teach people the authority and the kind of authority that they have towards it. So that if those things come to you, shut up! You get out of here. They, they will listen to you. You mean what you are saying. Say, get out of here. They will listen to you. You don't, you don't have to stress it. You don't have to go through deliverance classes. When something comes, you see something, you're doing it. That's a, it's a, get! You're even conscious. You say, get out! What's that? How dare you come near me? That's the authority you have. You have that authority. You are seated in heavenly places. We cry, you are seated with God. The host of heaven is backing you up. Because the host of heaven too don't like them. Oh, they repaired now. <laughs> oh. So you'll be wondering, ah, can this happen today? You know it. You, you have your answers. <laughs> I get what I'm saying. Quite a lightning study, right? So you see, we have to examine the concept of deliverance again. <laughs> In God's word now, uh, so you are, so this so you see that these beings are mysterious. They don't mean good. They've never meant good. They've never. But in the case of lots cases, they are the ones that is the women that say we want to sleep with these ones. <laughs> I say, ah, these ones are too fine for us to let go. <laughs> let's let's deal with them before they go. And they did not. Re- could they have refused this? They did not refuse it. Ah. That's what led to the evil that happened with Sodom. You wonder what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah. Are you seeing that it's supernatural? It's a rebellion too now that happened. You'll be in Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah since you're young. I'm sure, right? It's the rebellion too that is happening there. What will God do again? He will start again. <laughs> so you see that? It seems like this. The more the sin happened, there's always a cause and effect. What happened with Sodom and Gomorrah? He was burnt down. You say, you, say, you say it's God that did it. No, it's their sin that caused it. So sometimes some people think that all these things. So you see, you see that you see this supernatural. It always has a cause and effect. It's not God doing. It's just this. Just like you, you still now you go to a, a, a cell with no window. You gotta live in the house with no window. <laughs> all you just be seeing is uh, you be eating free food, but the food is trash. <laughs> you be in prison. You get it's cause and effect. You say, I know my right, I know my right. You know your right inside the prison when you're when you're handcuffed. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Does it make sense to you? Ah. All right, guys. Are you blessed? Sure.